0: I, Georgie, am Pennywise, the Dancing Clown. You are Georgie. So now we know each other. And there's cotton candy and rides and all sorts of surprises down here. And balloons, too. All colors. Do they float? Oh, yes. They float, Georgie. They float. When you're down here with me, you'll
1: float <laughs> Greetings, mortals, and welcome to A Podcast But Evil. I'm Doug Leaf. I'm Dan Oster. And this week, we are continuing our Halloween coverage by focusing on It. And by It, I mean Pennywise the Clown from the book. Oh. And it's three, maybe four, depending on how you count them, screen adaptations.
2: (laughs) Well, Doug, we missed an obvious opportunity for an Abbott and Costello routine here.
1: Oh, uh, it's on first? (laughs) Yeah,
2: we're focusing (laughs) on it. What are we focusing on? It! Uh, Anyway, yes, Pennywise the Clown.
1: Yeah. Uh, before we get going, uh, just a quick admin thing. If you uh, if you like what we do, trick or treat on over to iTunes and drop us a review there. And uh, please send us a tweet over at PodcastButEvil if you got something to say. Uh, and uh, with that, Dan, I think uh, we should talk about the awesome guest we have with us. I think we should. All right. Um, so <laughs> to introduce our guest, he is a uh, podcaster from the DuckFeed.TV network of podcasts. They're Big flagship shows are Watch Out for Fireballs, which is like a uh, a games club or a book club for games about good ones. And then there's Abject Suffering, which is the opposite, which is the games club for terrible games. Uh, But the reason I invited Cole on here, because among the many podcasts that he does, uh, is one called Radio Free Midworld, which is a Stephen King-based podcast. So I thought it'd be perfect for this. And also, his name is almost virtually synonymous with the fear of clowns. Uh, Mm. Please welcome to a podcast medieval, Cole Ross.
0: Hey! Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Colrophobia. I didn't. I, I didn't uh, put that together. <laughs> That's a good catch.
2: I like that Doug did not spell it out for our audience. He really thinks the best of you people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is where I use my dad joke powers for good instead of evil. Okay. Cole, you know, uh, before we kind of launch into kind of the nuts and bolts of Pennywise, uh, whenever we have a guest on, I always like to ask them about their personal relationship to the material. I I don't know if Pennywise or it was your your personal entree into the world of Stephen King, but I'd be curious to hear about what was and, and where Pennywise fits in
0: yeah so i was a late arrival to stephen king i think a lot of people get started reading his books you know in in, in high school uh thereabouts because he's a, a fantastically popular author lots of movies are based on his books etc i actually came to him after college i had read his um book on writing which is his book on writing uh oh, <laughs> right. catchy title funny yeah. how that word. <laughs> <laughs> i was saving it's, it's, it for the end it's a i was really like good
2: on book. writing it sounds like a chilling tale <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it's really like it's like one half like uh, artistic autobiography and one half like style guide pretty much mm. um it's it, it's really good and it moves really fast and i i you know it was an assignment for a, for, for a class uh, in college you know, this is about 10 years ago, and uh, I had no point of reference for what he was writing about. So I went and I picked up the stand. Figuring uh, I'll just start with the longest one. And then after this, st- <laughs> after the stand, um, I, uh, I I picked up it because the second longest one. Yes. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I was working, I was working backwards uh, and then got into the, 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 the dark, the dark tower, uh, which we'll, we'll, you know, we can talk about when we get to the, to, to the macroverse stuff because everything kind of fits together in a way that, you know, it's not it's not necessarily apparent, I think, to people who uh, primarily know about Stephen King because of the adaptations and stuff like that. So, like, I had seen like bits and pieces of the um of the made for TV uh, movie adaptation, the one with uh, Tim Curry playing, uh, you know, playing as Pennywise. Hello, um, Georgie. <laughs> yeah and you know like that like that is a performance and that is a you know kind of a just a real scene stealing kind of thing that seared its way into a lot of people's nightmares but you know, that was just a little bit too early for me. Like, we didn't see that when it was on TV. So, like, I knew about it through cultural osmosis. So, I was really book forward with this. And I like Pennywise the Clown. And, you know, it, you know, like like Pennywise is just kind of one aspect of it. It's, a you know, it's, it's like an avatar or a particular form of it. I, I really dig it as a... As a concept, because it is pretty fundamental to like a lot of you know a lot of myths and a lot of paranoias about you know that people have generally had for a long time that have come up in in response to certain times, and it fits in very well broadly with kind of the the novel it, which is a very like kind of heartwarming story about childhood and belief and fear and growing up and, you know, like people's relationship with innocence as it, as it grows, like it's, it's, it's pretty good. I, I, I'm way into it.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. You kind of said it's what, that it's kind of an amalgam, um, of different things because I watched an interview with Stephen King and one of the things he said about it when he was writing, it was you know, he looked at this as almost like his final exam as a horror writer <laughs> and that he wanted to have all of the monsters in it. And then behind that, there would be like one kind of puppet master monster. And you do sort of get that in that Pennywise can take on any form. And in fact, he does in the book, it's uh, the Wolfman. He, he terrorizes Richie uh, mm-hmm. after he sees that movie. So he does kind of <laughs> use these different monsters. And there's also, you know, I think a pretty distinct link to um, the – cthulhu mythos as well so you you've got kind of king really pulling from all these different sources and mushing them together into one thing and yet the, it still feels unique and kind of its own creature
0: yeah it, it's it, it's hard to separate it i think from the time that it came out in the mid 80s and the satanic panic um and we're kind of seeing a lot of this nowadays not to get overtly political uh, oh but don't Q- worry oh, we that. would never never on <laughs> but this with, podcast. but with QAnon, Q- anon kind we're of officially back undecided a, a here
2: we're officially undecided i'm kidding of course <laughs> trump comes up every podcast cuz how can you not
0: well it's a, it's a uh, yeah I'm, it's a I'm podcast glad. about villains what are you I, do you I'm, I'm I'm glad i'm glad to hear that no but like <laughs> is kind of a it's it's a mo- it's a modern kind of interpretation of uh you know what was the satanic panic the idea that you know, one part of this is that people are capturing and torturing children in order to drink their blood to get adrenochrome from inside of it. That is just a version of what was happening with fear about daycares back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: that's right. The satanic um, daycares. Yeah. And Dungeons and Dragons, that was another <laughs> gateway. And then it, you know, eventually it was Harry Potter at some point. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then even before that, the idea of blood libel, you know, things that were brought up in, you know, just basically conspiracy theories and anti-Semitic myths that are older than dirt you know the idea that there are people out there who are so evil who not only eat children but also <laughs> the idea that fear so you know it's not just enough to eat somebody you have to make it as miserable as possible and pennywise as this kind of psychic vampire which is a concept that king kind of plays around with a bunch is you know kind of a kind of a broader manifestation of that too
1: I think this is probably a good point to do our, our opening salvo that we normally do, Cole, which is we ask Dan, who has done no studying up for the episode, as per our standard division <laughs> of labor, um, Dan, what do you know about Pennywise without having done any studying? Sure.
2: Well, I have seen the TV movie, uh, the TV miniseries from back in the day. I did not see the new film. So most of my knowledge comes from that, although it has been a while. I do know that the book is definitely a doorstop. Uh, it's a thick one. <laughs> so, what's you know, it the story it <laughs> takes place in Derry, Maine. Uh, we've talked about it, I think, a little on this podcast that it's a town that sort of seems to have a, a shadow over it, and and I maybe the shadow is this creature and uh, that sort of uh, infects it and infects the psyches of the people within it. The story is sort of two parts. It's the first part is this young group of kids facing down this evil. Uh, I think that, you know, Stephen King is an easy person to find a lot of sort of the same, he likes a lot of the same tools and likes to use them again, you know? And so that idea of a group of friends facing something down, I know I've seen him do that before. Didn't he, he wrote, um, Stand Uh, By Me. Stand By Me, right. So Stand By Me and uh, Dreamcatcher has an element of that as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure those are hardly the only ones. So yes, they they, they deal with this entity which uh, has sort of these different manifestations. I'm not sure if in the younger era he's a clown yet but i know oh, yeah, that he is. he is okay and so then they eventually they're they go off you know they have this experience they go off and they sort of forget that it happened in a lot of ways and then they're called back right they're called back to return to the town and face it down uh, once again after they've kind of gone off and grown up uh, that's the basic plot structure as i understand it and uh, yes yeah, central to the imagery of this story is this evil clown called Pennywise and uh, yeah that's I mean that's really most of what I remember about it
1: we got kind of the broad strokes um, as as usual Um,
0: oh and I also know that there's one part where
2: they get they get lost in the caves and they have to sex their way out
0: yeah we don't (laughs) talk about that (laughs) that's
2: the other Um, part that I remember it wasn't in the tv movie but
1: nor the new one Um. (laughs) right yeah, that somehow they managed to to find a way to to edit around the child sex. We'll we'll get to that. But but what Pennywise actually is, he he's a shapeshifter or rather it's it's he can I guess he is has a physical manifestation. He can affect the physical world around him. He's not just like a, an illusion, but he can take on all, any form he wants. He prefers the Pennywise clown Outfit, I guess, because it helps him lure children, because in theory, I guess, children liked clowns at one point before this book. <laughs> um, By the way, is this
2: book largely responsible for the clown fear that people yeah. have? or would, I mean, that has to predate this. <laughs>
1: I would think it does, but you know, my experience personally was like I, I never heard anyone being heard of anyone being afraid of clowns. And I was ten or so. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety, so I was ten years old when the TV movie came out. And somehow I started hearing all of a sudden more of my friends or people like, "Oh, I'm afraid of clowns." I'm like, "Why? They're just dudes in makeup. What's so scary?" And then you know, you watch it and you go, "I, I get it now." Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, he takes this form so he can uh, capture children consume them, but what he actually is is kind of a Lovecraftian alien entity from outer space that uh, lands to Earth. He wakes up every – he has a 27-year cycle. He wakes up. He eats a bunch of kids, goes back to sleep, rinse and repeat until the Losers Club comes along. So I'm kind of interested, Cole, in like what you – how you would describe – what its power set actually is. Because, you know, in the in the way he manifests in, the, in both the, the TV miniseries and in the, the recent movies is that he appears, he scares the crap out of you, and then, like, you know, the character, the, the kid or the adult version will run out of the room, slam the door behind them, and they're safe. And it's sort of like, well, if he's as powerful as you think he is... Why doesn't he just chase, you know, knock open the door and chase them down further until he just eats them? But he doesn't. He lets them get away time and time again. And I can't tell if that's because he is limited in some way or he's just doing that to play cat and mouse with them more.
0: Yeah. So there, there, there there's a bunch of narrative convenience going on. It's just a matter of, OK, what is going to be most entertaining for the viewer? Ruling that aside, I think that there definitely is, a, you know, a certain amount of um, cat and mouse to that uh he wants to draw people out um and really make it you know he, yeah he's he, he is like a like a cat not just chasing after it but you know toying with it as a you know before he will kind of move in for the kill broadly is his there a, powers, is there a <laughs> like oh, is there
2: a specific is there a specific element of him that is he eats fear or is that not explicitly in there
0: Yeah, so the way that he describes it when he is speaking to the Losers Club, he says like, "Fear is like salting the meat." Is 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 the way that he says it? You know, they're like in different kind of adaptations. uh, It it's it's played a little bit fast and loose that like you know the fear is what he is getting, but like. In the book, at the very least, it is made. He is he is uh, torturing them in order to get more out of whatever you know out of what he is harvesting out of them.
2: That was sort of my understanding. Is he's toying with them because he gets more out of it that way?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like broadly like his powers, he has a pretty a pretty firm grasp um a, you know pretty a pretty big hold on like reality and perception in general. So that's the way that he is able to appear in these illusions, right? And that's what gives him power over the people that he attacks. However, that works both ways because if the person's belief is strong enough in what he is, then they are able to actually lock him into a form. And if they believe that he has a particular weakness, he uh, it is conferred on him. So in the book... They go in and they say, "All right, you know, this is when they're kids." They say, "We're going to picture him as a werewolf because he's appeared as were- as a werewolf before." We have brought a um, a silver slug that we made by melting down, um, you know, silver dollars. We're going to fire it at him with a with it with a um, a slingshot, and if we all believe that he is a uh, a werewolf, he will not be able to shapeshift away from that, and this should kill him. It doesn't kill him, but it wounds him significantly.
2: This also feels like a Stephen King trope to me. The sort of belief being a part of it, I or maybe this is just it, because I do remember this aspect of it. There's sort of a magical thinking element that becomes real. Yes, you know, in terms of how they solve their problems in it. Has he done that in other works?
0: Yeah, like a prominent one. So one people would know is Salem's Lot. So mm-hmm. when Father Callahan has his uh, confrontation with Barlow, he holds up his cross, believing, "Okay, yes, a vampire will uh, re- re- be recoiled from this." But because Callahan's faith has lapsed, it doesn't work. It's just a right. you know, it's just a piece of you know, trumpery. It just, it just he, Barlow breaks it and uh, is able to uh, corrupt Callahan, and then later on, it comes back uh, in the Dark Tower and um, the Dark Tower series.
1: I think what's really interesting about Pennywise, you know, in that, you know, he is his personality is almost like on a slider, uh, in terms of how you want to play him. Like on one end is like the genie from Aladdin. He's this, you know, hilarious, <laughs> shape shifting jokester, and then on the other end is something so unimaginably, it's like the xenomorph. Like there's just no no humor and like just all blackness and like teeth and claws. And you can really kind of like watch in both adaptations as they kind of like move that slider around as befits whatever they think maybe is more entertaining for the moment or what's better for the character. Um, But it gives you so much room to play with because you can be so many different things.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's also hateful. Like the book opens up or very early on. Like (laughs) Pennywise is egging on and taking advantage and taking advantage of people's homophobia. Like he comes, he swoops in and amplifies a hate crime in order to in order to harvest the fear that comes off of that. Uh, And even like throughout the history of dairy, like he has been poised to like inflame racial and labor tensions and stuff like that. So kind of a thing that is revealed at the end of the book is that Pennywise is basically Derry itself, that the only reason Derry can exist where it does is because he is there and the town has been sacrificing to him and they don't even realize it.
2: I can think of no modern parallels to what you said. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, but the idea the idea of a pleasing facade covering over something bottomless and horrible, that is of course always going to be resonant, right? And I think that is a huge aspect of this character and why it why it lands, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of odd, crazy stuff in there that's just fun. And then there's some stuff that really just feels applicable to life as we know it. And that, that to me, I think is the thing. It's like, he's, he's this, he's a jolly jokester clown, you know? (laughs) No, he's a bunch of tentacles, you know, with the, he has the deadlights too. I remember that. Isn't that a thing? He has his That's what he really is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What is that? What what are the deadlights? That
0: changes around even in King's work, actually.
2: Okay, yeah, what is that a reference to, exactly?
0: So, the the Deadlights first show up here, uh, so, the, like, that is his actual form that exists outside of the Ordered Universe. This gets mm-hmm. into the Macroverse kind of things, but, uh, like when Pennywise wants to really just basically kill your identity, he will show you a glimpse of what he truly is. And that is very
2: Lovecraftian.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like in the new movies, like his face kind of unzips and you see that his head is empty and like the lights are swirling there in the book, it gets like truly cosmic. It's like some Azathoth kind of stuff where Mm -hmm. he will like grab somebody's mind and fling them outside of the universe into his lights. Um, wow. As they, as they go. Yeah.
2: And there is a character I remember that basically gets driven insane, right? As a, <laughs> as a youth and then ends up like kind Henry of a Renfield. Yes. Henry Bowers. Yeah.
1: Right. He's the local bully that gives them a hard time. And eventually he sort of becomes Pennywise's Renfield just sort of doing his bidding in a way that Pennywise, I guess, can't because he's slightly limited <laughs> by his sort of illusory nature.
0: Um, he's limited Henry by Bowers. his rules and Henry Bowers right. can act physically. Mm. Right,
1: he's just a, a guy with a knife. Um, <laughs> but getting getting back to what we were talking about before, with like Pennywise inflaming racial tensions and causing like hate crimes, both of which are dramatized in uh, definitely in the new movies. I can't remember if those are in the the original uh, miniseries, but I don't um,
2: recall them touching that in the TV miniseries. But it's yeah. possible.
1: I rewatched the the two machete movies in a, in advance of this podcast and yeah, the the second one opens with this gay couple getting beaten within an inch of their life and then to add insult to injury, one of them is tossed into the river where Pennywise eats him.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. That's wow. the inciting yeah. incident. That's what makes um that's what makes the, the the Losers Club come back together is when they realize that hey, he's back.
1: Right. They make because, a pact. Yes. After they kill, after they think they've beaten him the first time, they make a blood pact that says, if he ever comes back, we're all going to come back to Derry and we're going to put him to, uh, out of his misery. And mm-hmm. there is this, and, like,
2: the, yeah. you know, in terms of uh, belief and memory and reality, you know, all of this stuff seems very malleable in this story. And from what I understand, too, and I feel like Dreamcatcher had some element of this, too. It's like mm-hmm. they don't really remember what happened, right? There's, like, one person who stayed in Derry and correct. Like Mike. The, yeah. the, the, Mike the, the keeper of this story and kind of— Brings everybody back to try to re- help them remember what had happened.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Cole. We uh, we covered the Headless Horseman two episodes ago. <laughs> and uh, there's a passage in The Legend of Sleepy Hollow where Washington Irving describes the town of Sleepy Hollow. And the description he uses, he talks about the town being kind of slightly overtaken by some sort of force or presence. And he, it's exactly the way King describes Derry, that there's mm-hmm. this – Almost a miasma, uh, whatever you want to call it, that just infects the town. And so all of the bad things that kind of the adults do, one, they're, they're kind of obliviousness, whether willful or not, to what mm-hmm. all these children disappearing. the uh, The abuse that some of these kids suffer at the hands of their parents um whether it's like Eddie's being uh, munchausen by his mom or Beverly Marsh who's being oh I, you I,
2: just got munchausen <laughs> is that how to say <laughs> uh,
1: by his mom ma- or by straight up
2: munchausen um, bro <laughs>
1: yeah or the, or the bigotry or or the uh, or any of these other things. It all is sort of like you get the sense that like if Pennywise wasn't around, this might be a much nicer place to live. Like he's really it, – it's cool because you have him like as this immediate threat when he's in the room with you. You know, just all of a sudden there's a giant clown that's going to rip your face off. But even <laughs> when you get out of the room, like when you're in the rest of dairy, it's almost in a way scarier. Well, because I can't re- help
2: yeah. – a- again, but point out the resonant concept of is this a symptom or is this – a cause, right? Where does it stop and start? Is he merely reflecting the evil that is already there and amplifying it? Is he injecting this evil into the town? I guess it's not entirely clear, maybe. But that is a question I think we've been asking ourselves a little bit lately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's correlated. It's never said that it's you know that that, that it's straight up caused. I think that just everything is worse because he is here pulling the strings and making people, you know, specifically you know, just in the in the in the story, making adults oblivious to the suffering of children um, and anything that he is uh, that, that he is doing to them.
1: It's been interesting for me as a parent to revisit this story because I remember being, you know, really enjoying the miniseries when I was a kid, and now coming back to it as an adult with kids myself. It really speaks to something because it has this two act structure of, of the kids' half and the adults' half. And when you're a kid, your whole world, you know, the, the fears that you have are, you know, they can be fantastical. They're not the kind of fears that adults have about, you know, how am I going to pay my rent, you know? Um, <laughs> but. It also though speaks to something that you know, like that kid part never really goes away. That like I think about myself and I go, well, okay, I've got you know a wife and a kids and a career and a house and like all, and I'm forty and like all that stuff can out connotes adulthood, mm-hmm. but I still have days where I wake up and I go, like I hope they don't figure out I'm just three kids in a trench coat. You know they're gonna, you know they're <laughs> yeah. gonna know that I'm a fraud. And you know, deep deep down inside, I'm still a ten year old kid. And mm-hmm. that I love how that's dramatized in the book and in the adaptations where like you see. All of these grown adults like reduced to nothing because they're confronted with that in a very visceral, you know, uh, horrific way.
0: Now, all of them kind of regress even when they return back to back to dairy. So like Bill finds his old um, his old the bicycle. Yep. Um if, if he finds a uh, uh, God, what's the name of it? The- Silver. Silver. There we go. Yeah. Um, all I could remember was Lone Ranger. Like in his in his stutter, you know, kind of keeps coming back. You have you know, Eddie, Eddie never really got rid of his uh of, of his fake asthma or or what have you. But yeah, like everybody just kind of does a little bit of backsliding, and you know, remembers more about their about their experience of growing up Um, and ultimately like the stuff that was weird about them, the stuff that made them into losers ends up being what undoes um, Pennywise. So like, Bill and Richie are only able to like corner the spider because Eddie uses his uh his inhaler as like a like he says hey this is a weapon like this is a thing of power it's a talisman right mm-hmm. and he spray he sprays he, sp- he sprays the spider with 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 the inhaler it acts like acid and burns him away and like Bill Dembro is able to basically unshackle Pennywise from our universe by saying the speech therapy you know like little like, thrusts yeah the his fists
1: against the posts and still insists he sees the ghosts.
0: yeah cuz he had the stutter he was he was stuttering bill and by kind of saying that over and over again it's like a spell essentially it was you know him overcoming this thing that was you know that 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 defined him as a kid and by reasserting it he's able to you know basically banish pennywise banish it um by asserting himself
1: so i want to talk a little bit about uh the end of the story because uh, how they defeat Pennywise is interesting Um, (laughs) because is this where they, is
2: this where they corner him in the caves and they all have sex? Is it, is that right here? (laughs) We will. I
1: I wanted to, I wanted to ask you Cole, because they do a version of this in the, uh, the new movie, the the ritual of Chud or chud or whatever it is. Uh, Yeah. It's the, (laughs) the the ritual of Chud Oh, it's Jewish. Great. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I am uncomfortable with this Jewish ritual. Um, uh, hey, I mean, hey, it, that's it hate just, speech. Those it, it, are that's our, our, those really are our people, Doug. That
0: brought, that brought up from uh, just uh, like ancient myth, Mesopotamian kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep.
1: What did you say, Dan?
2: I said, those are our people, Doug. You can't do that hateful impression. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: those are, what do you mean your people? You're Catholic. I'm the Jew. <laughs> no,
2: uh, <laughs> I'm Dan Ulster. No, we left before... Mm-hmm. Then <laughs> we came here <laughs> earlier than that. I just want to say for the record.
1: All right. Uh, so no, but what what exactly is this ritual? Because the version of it they do in, in the Muschietti movie, uh, my understanding is that is not really what's in the book.
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what it is in the book, because it's basically the the, the, the ritual of, of, of food that they do. It, like they recreate it by turning their uh, clubhouse and the barons into like a into a smoke lodge to induce a trance um and that is what lets them see what it actually is to understand the uh, to, to understand what the, what the, what the threat is in the movie like there's a it's there's like a vessel there's like an actual thing um, that they that 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 they find that it's like is a little not basket. Pre- yeah, yeah, it's it's like a leather kind of thing that Mike found from a from from a nearby indigenous um, indigenous tribe um, that had been dealing with it. You know, because mm-hmm. he had been around since since before humans really. <laughs> um, that isn't present there. Like in the like in the in the book, the, the the ritual is what they do in the in the in the in the house in the um, clubhouse, and then basically any time that they uh, kind of like come together as a group Um and you, you know that that ultimately ends up being what gets them out of the sewers with the extremely regrettable um kid sex
2: let's scene. talk about the kid sex moment no, <laughs> hey uh, before we do that really quickly I, you know we've kind of talked about these different forms and you refer to a spider that's is that not his that's not his true form though right his true form is this like madness inducing cosmic whatever but yeah like, the spider form a- is just another form
0: if this was Lovecraft, Pennywise would not be a great old one, he would be an outer god. Um an outer god exists outside of space and projects avatars in. Ah. The, the the spider which isn't really a spider, it's just what people's minds can see like they, you know, it kind of snaps to grid. Yeah, you know, it's the, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the closest thing and that, and that's right. why they see like Oh, here, there there are eggs around and Pennywise must be must must be female. Well, no, don't gender the monster. it, it is it is multiplying, <laughs> but that's just what our minds are kind of. That's seeing. the worst thing you can do to Pennywise. <laughs> don't don't ascribe
2: a gender to Pennywise, okay?
0: Yeah. Come on. So it's yep. spider-ish. But the spider is just kind of what hatches from the meteor, and it's like an anchor that 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 lets him project into okay. dairy and kind of like, uh, kind of keep a domain around it and keep it from uh, being obliterated by weather events. Hmm.
2: Well, so, uh, I'm glad we cleared that up. Yes, yeah, so, so let's talk about what happens in the caves. So my re- recollection of this is that it's it's only a few pages in the book, but it's a little bit more of this like kind of magical thinking belief stuff, right? They're lost. And somehow they decide that the way to get unlost is to
0: have like their first sexual experience with each other. Yeah, in a, in a group with, I think at that point it was six boys and one girl. You
2: know, and really, when you're the one girl on that team, that is a rough gig. If there, yeah. someone pitches that idea.
0: She, she, she's definitely uh, carrying a little bit more of the, uh, carrying doing a little bit more of the work. <laughs> um, well, as, as, you know, as as that's as as every that every
2: girl on every improv team I've ever <laughs> had to do that. So so there you go. metaphor <laughs> yeah. for that. Uh, but yeah. yeah, so that's my understanding of it, that it's sort of this magical thinking thing. And somehow they all agree that that's going to do it. And then it does do it. But it's obviously got to be some sort of allegorical metaphor.
1: Well, that they're growing some, up, right? That they're ensuring yeah. in some way that gives them a little bit more shielding against Pennywise's yeah. magic.
0: Yeah, and that's basically a, what happens, it's, right? It's a, yeah. it's a rite of passage.
2: Yeah. And so, like, literally they're lost and then they all have sex.
0: Yeah. It's not just that they're lost. Like, there's a whole lot in the book, um, and this, this is going to make it sound really make it sound really riveting. Just the idea that Derry's whole sewer system is basically the most complicated thing and nobody knows how deep it goes because they've just been building on top of it and kind of just, just putting everything together in a really slapdash kind of fashion. Like, Bill's dad was a sewer engineer, and he says, hey, don't ever go in the pipes, because we will never be able to find you. Mm. Um, And, of course, the the, the, the result of this is because Pennywise has made himself a little warren, like a little dungeon.
2: I just watched, what was it, The Outsider on Mm -hmm. um, HBO, and there was, like, a, a bunch of labyrinthine caves in that. Mm-hmm. It is really funny. It's, Stephen King definitely comes back to
0: stuff that he finds interesting. I don't know, like that—that's scary. The idea of being like I—I snuck into places I shouldn't have been as a kid. Yeah, definitely, like got lost. I just, yeah,
1: I—I I remember. Like, I feel like that—that that also felt very true to to being a kid to me. Like uh, my elementary school was on the edge of a canyon, and. So me and three other kids, our little losers club mm-hmm. in third third and fourth grade, if we went down to the end of the soccer field, we could go through a hole in the gate and go down into this canyon. And then on the side of the cliff, there was like – not a cave, but there was like a, a small like concave area we could climb down into, which was mm-hmm. really unsafe because we could have fallen and gotten seriously hurt. And the, the last time I did it, I did – I did come into contact with an arachnid, but it was just a tick. <laughs> but that was the last time I went.
2: Yeah, that uh, was because Lyme disease. Pennywise, Pennywise is <laughs> tick form.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you only thought it was a tick. I mean, so and in the book, uh, Patrick Hofstetter, the kind of psychopath, it's a it's a really chilling uh, chapter actually, um, because he is like literally so- sociopathic, and they kind of King really relishes in describing things from his point of view. How basically nobody nobody seems human. Everybody's like a doll to him, or whatever. Pennywise kills him by b- becoming a, a a whole bunch of wasp kind of things mm-hmm. that suck all of the blood out of him. <laughs> It's Ooh, it, it's wow. it is a real high water mark for creepy pros, Just now that you mentioned bugs and stuff like that, I'm sure those weren't waiting for you down there, Doug. Uh,
1: well, I'm I hope not. <laughs> the tick was enough. Uh, There's probably rattlesnakes down there too, since we're in Southern California. So not a great place to go by any stretch. No. My parents were mortified. Yeah, um, so, I did want to go ahead.
0: Oh I'd, so I'd, I so I I want to I want to make make something clear. I'm not saying that Stephen King was justified in writing The Kid's Sex. Like it like <laughs> that, that doesn't make it any less uncomfortable because the sewers were a maze. Like it's <laughs> I just you I don't understand. To, I w- these
2: these sewers they were very complicated.
0: <laughs> the sewers were extremely you know, what you have to understand about the 80s is yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> a lot of cocaine. Uh no. Um It's I, not I just, that lo-
1: far off from our Labyrinth episode if you really think about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but to say that like they, uh, they were, they had no chance of getting out without the supernatural bond that they had that they, that they needed to exercise because with, with Pennywise gone, their bond was kind of going, starting to dissolve. Mm. Um, additionally, because Pennywise was gone, the protection over dairy, uh, was lifted and the entire town floods like in subsequent books that take place in dairy. They talk about the great uh, flood of 85, which wipes out the entirety of downtown, because know, it, all of these storms roll in,
2: it's really easy to make fun of that section. So that's why I do it. But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I applaud Stephen King for trying something risky there and throughout this book. So mm-hmm. whether it worked or not, that's a, that's a matter of debate. But I, yeah, yeah I only,
0: I'm only doing it because it's a cheap shot, <laughs> <laughs> I, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not just, like standing for it or anything. It's more, no, of course there, though, yeah. there, there, there's, there's, there's context for it.
1: Yeah.
2: Right, right. Well, that, um, uh, thankfully, yes. And it's not like that. Uh, we talk a lot about Stephen King tropes. That's actually not one. <laughs>
1: so,
2: <laughs> I feel like that's a notable part of this
1: that's unique to it. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, I do want to talk about some macroverse stuff because that stuff gets really weird. Um, <laughs> but uh, before we do I'm just going to ask you, Cole, what's your opinion? Uh, you prefer Curry or Skarsgård?
0: I like Curry. I think that Curry is way over the top. I think the Skarsgård does a very good job. Um, I think that it just, you, you can't, uh, you, you can't come at the king is my thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I tend to agree with you only because I think, you know, the, the purpose of the Pennywise uh, disguise is, is to lure kids in. And I can believe that Tim Curry's version of Pennywise is a human being dressed as a clown and that disguise could work at least for a little while before mm-hmm. he, he goes nuts. Bill Skarsgård is the scariest fucking thing on the planet from the <laughs> second you lay eyes on him
0: before yeah, yeah, the Pennywise and then, and then, makeup goes on. Well, right. Because his exactly. just can yeah. kind of do that. Like, yeah. like yeah. He, he just does that. He, he, he They don't need to move together.
1: <laughs> yeah at no point do i believe he's a clown i'm instantly convinced this is a monster yeah um so i and i so like i said there's that like slider they never really move the slider much too far towards bugs bunny you know it's pretty much in the other end of the spectrum well let's uh, not say yeah go ahead
2: this is the challenge with doing a remake right because usually the first time around you do it in the way that makes the most sense and then the second mm-hmm. time around you're like well what haven't we done and yeah. what makes the most sense is a clown that might conceivably lure kids in. Those you know, those uh, T V movies, the two that I think of, the miniseries are The Stand and It, right? Those were around that same period where they were doing that with Stephen King stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being you know, really interesting and, and adult and cool. And then you go back and you watch it, and it is very much a product of the time that it was made. So it definitely has yeah. some, like, cornballiness happening. <laughs> but I still think it's a really interesting mix of those things because it is it is very chilling, Those the TV mm-hmm. movies. Both that and The Stand have some really scary stuff going on.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's remarkable what they can do just with the things that you could put on television in 1990 and 1993, I think the Stand adaptation was. I'll defer to you
1: on that, uh, but I, but speaking of other adaptations, Cole, are you familiar with the other adaptation of it that we haven't touched on?
0: Uh, no. There um, is another one. Okay.
1: There, it is called, I, I'm going to mispronounce this cause I don't speak Hindi, but it is called W-O-H, okay. you, which is, Hindi, it, it's, that's the Hindi word for it. It's an Indian adaptation. It was oh, made in like a Bollywood a, thing. Yeah, it's not me oh, because wow. I mean, it's like dan- I don't think there's dance numbers in it or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was made for uh, it was not a movie. It was a 52 episode TV series Ooh. in India, and the the version of Pennywise in that, in terms of I, I wasn't able to find a lot of clips of it, but and obviously I didn't understand what he was saying. There was no subtitles, unfortunately, in what I was able to find. But the per- the performance, like the tone of it, is a little closer to Tim Curry. <laughs> it's just more of like a guy in clown makeup and i they do away with all of the cosmic elements it's he's a he's a vengeful spirit of a deceased clown but he is not, you know, a um, an avatar for some interdimensional alien entity.
0: That's but, that makes sense. Though I ex- I expected uh, I expected actually the 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 recent American adaptations to get rid of the cosmic stuff too. I'm glad they, that didn't, they did. not not. Like usually, yeah. usually in Lovecraftian things, the cosmic stuff is excised when it's brought to screen.
1: I, I right. was kind of impressed the, that the Machete movies did. Actually, they went harder on the, the cosmic stuff than, uh, than the original did. Are those mm-hmm.
2: worth a th- watch, by the way? I, I heard the first one was pretty decent and people kind of dumped on the <laughs> second one.
0: The second one, I think I saw somebody say this on Twitter. This is, an original, this is not an original thought. The second one is the best cast bad movie I've seen.
1: Oh. Yeah, the casting is unbelievable. They, the, the one-to-one between those kids and their uh, adult counterparts is phenomenal. Like and the, just, and the kid actors are phenomenal in their in their half too. They're they're yeah. excellent to a man, wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, just just like the 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 back and forth between Richie and Eddie, just chef kiss. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, and the fact I I feel like Eddie wasn't much of a character in the '90s one, right? And I feel like he was like a he's an MVP in mm-hmm. uh, huh. in the new one, absolutely. Um, so, so, Doug, I, I,
2: I think we got time maybe to do this macro, a little bit of this macro yeah. uh, stuff that you want to talk about. And uh, then maybe we uh, head into sort of enduring themes.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, I think we need to touch on this. So, as you kind of alluded to, Cole, all of Stephen King's books, uh, it's the it's like the MCU, but weirder. Um, <laughs> everything is interconnected, even stories let's, that should have no connection, like... You know, the Shawshank Redemption and the Shining, like there's <laughs> yeah, things that they, connect they, this kind of stuff. They're
2: in the Dark Tower and they open up a door into the on-writing universe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I mean, Stephen King's past is in the is in the Dark Tower universe. He is, oh, he, yeah, he is part right. of it. He
2: is a character, I guess, isn't he? Yeah. From what yeah. I understand.
1: So I'll, I'll leave this one to you, Cole, to explain more because I'm not up enough on this stuff to kind of talk about how Pennywise kind of connects to some of the other uh, major King stories.
0: Yeah, so it's hard to know where to start on this one. Um I this will sound like I am being pedantic and it, and, it, and maybe a little bit is. It's not that every one of Stephen King's stories is set in this. There are ones that there are tower related books. I and mean, when you look at his bibliography at the front of any of his books, you will see ones that are underlined. Those are the ones that are officially part of the tower part of the tower series and even outside of that like he has particular towns that he tends to write about so for a while he, he had castle rock right and that's where like needful things uh is is written these you know just any of these main towns um and dairy is one of those um and yeah and, uh, that by
2: the way i do recall that dairy popped up in i've read a few stephen king books and yeah. i read Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. That's the time travel one about the JFK assassination. And mm-hmm. weirdly, there's like an extended dairy sequence in that.
0: Yeah, like like that's where the main character of Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three. I for, I forget his name because it's just Jake? a Jake?
1: I watched remember? the James Franco thing. I
0: Yeah. Remember. Like he, he does uh like it's his practice run for preventing a tragedy. And it goes horribly right. wrong. But like he goes to Derry in the book and he meets Richie and Beverly. Like they're like practicing dancing and they talk about like, Hey, something's wrong with the town here. And when Jake goes to Dallas, he notices, Hey, Dallas feels exactly the same way Mm -hmm. uh, that dairy did. So the, the, the idea and the implication being that uh, there are other Pennywise like creatures that are kind of scattered, scattered here and there, you know, uh, about. So there are those elements of like a, like a shared kind of earth to this, in addition to the multiverse, kind of this idea that there are different levels on the levels on the tower, kind of the two most important ones being Keystone Earth, um, which is just Earth, and that's where a lot of his stories are set, and then also Midworld, All World, which is where Roland and the you know the the Tower version of the Dark Tower is. Pennywise is kind of like his species where he comes from and King's version of these gods. They are these just unknowable beings that existed and reigned when there was no order to the universe just basically this big primordial galactic soup of energy and stuff like that that was called the prim but then gan kind of the azathoth kind of figure picture a benevolent azathoth if you will um brought order Isn't to azathoth everything.
2: rendered a lot as like a is it i'm trying to envision which you know from my uh the board games that have used uh, Lovecraftian stuff as a thought—is <laughs> he like a tube with a lot of teeth? What's his deal? What's he looking
0: like? It, it, as a, a thought, is usually shown as like a as like a big bubbling mass of like uh, tumors. Sometimes all, uh, also shown as a, like like a like an ever an ever evolving nuclear explosion that has a bunch oh. of like smaller monsters, you know, dancing madly around him.
2: Great, so a benevolent um, version of that. Just
0: picture that. First. <laughs> yeah, as a thought being like the all powerful, the all powerful, you know, outer god who unintentionally by being, you know, nuclear by actually just kind of being at the nucleus of everything orders everything. Gan came and brought order to everything, and the prim receded, um, and the levels of the tower formed, and there are these spaces in between called toadash space. Like when have you read or seen the mist? What happens there is, like, the, the the door to the space in between where the monsters live is opened up.
2: Uh, uh, yes, I missed, yeah. by the way. Very Lovecraftian, too. Yeah. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. So there's a rift between our world and this world, and they kind of come through in that. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, kind of the, the 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 Satan figure in this in this whole cosmology, the Crimson King, he's the same species or related to what Pennywise is. He is also this kind of extra extra multiversal spider kind of creature who projects in. Um, and is able to shapeshift uh, Insomnia, which is a book uh, that, where, that has the Crimson King as its main antagonist, also takes place in Derry. Um, and the Crimson King is operating uh, there after uh, Pennywise or, you know, while Pennywise is, uh, you know, banished and, and, and lulled out. But uh, primarily the Crimson King has his dominion over over Midworld and World All World, all of that. And um, all of Prague Rock. Yes, <laughs> the, <laughs> exactly. Lots of lots of flutes. King. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So but, you know, just kind of this idea of these uh, psychic vampire people who create misery, like in book seven of The Dark Tower, there's even another one of these that is a minor one. His name is Dandolo, and he lives just basically in the in the winter near the edge of the world. In this tiny little cottage and he presents himself as this old guy who was a comedian who used to live on Earth. He brings in Roland and um, Roland and Susanna at that point. And instead of feeding on fear, what he does is he tells these really bad jokes that people can't help but laugh at Um, (laughs) and they laugh until they die. He feeds he feeds on their hysterical, you know, laughter basically is what was. What it is. So it's no less horrible. It's just a different manifestation of what it is. So you have these things rolling around and any number of other any number of other villains and specifically like Lovecraftian monsters can kind of be tied back to this general pantheon of gods. And somebody who acts as an emissary for them is Randall Flagg, uh, ah, who yes.
2: the raggedy yeah. man. What, right? What's that? Isn't that, what he, isn't that what he's called? Something like that? The Raggedy uh, Man? Something the, like that? The, the, the walking so dude. Called? Yeah. The walking dude. That's what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Main villain of the yeah. stand, Eyes of the Dragon. He pops up. He's basically like a Neralathotep figure. Um. And in fact, in the stand, one of the characters calls him Neralathotep. And that is kind of a way that he is kind of tied uh, tied to the um, the Lovecraft mythos, which is he walks on Earth and acts as this emissary for these outer forces while generally creating as much havoc as he can because he delights in it.
2: Uh, well, well, that's pretty I think, heady. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got lost somewhere around the murderous Rodney Dangerfield figure. Um, so. I
0: apologize. I apologize if I, if I made that too complicated.
2: No, no, that's no, good. Well, it, you know, it's like true Lovecraftian mythos. The more you know, the more your mind unravels, and I feel yes. like that's happened here. It's it's uh, okay,
1: Cole. We we did it, an episode on uh, we did a Sephiroth episode a few back, and I'm <sighs> trying to digest all of that for dan was kind of the same experience of the details of that guy's story
0: yeah no
2: yeah (laughs) yeah Um, well good i think doug got what he wanted um so yeah Uh, (laughs) and that's all that really matters uh yeah so we talked we already talked a little bit about this but is there anything else we should really know about pennywise in terms of what makes him unique as a villain
0: I think is. I mean, I, I, this is something we already talk, we already talked about. But like his weakness, the way that you the the way that you use belief against him, I think is actually really clever and good. Like from a storytelling perspective, I, I know right. that's more about the book itself than about the, 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 the than about Pennywise. Um, so I I didn't answer your question. Just by. no, no. Well, no,
1: no I that's think, no, he did, wait, no.
0: I, you know, he is defined
1: by his the, the by his. Malicious. The, he doesn't just scare you. Like he is scaring you to the point where you will die from fright or he will consume that fear. He wants to optimize that fear. Mm-hmm. And everything is fear based, but it's still an illusion. And you conquer that by conquering fear, by you know, by literally just standing up to this cosmic bully,
0: yeah.
1: and and not taking it. And that is so relatable that you have this group <laughs> of of kids who are, you know, they are they call themselves the Losers Club, like they are, you know, they're the Goonies. They're you know they're this group <laughs> of kids that are that I think all of us dorks can relate to that we were those kids. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to watch them go like, oh, no, I'm not just going to take down the school bully. I'm going to take down and, you know, an ageless, interdimensional, you know, <laughs> spider monster. Um, yeah. Like this literally this thing that is, you know, uh, a plug and play scare machine that will be whatever scares <laughs> you the most. That's what it's going to do.
0: Yeah. To, to speak I think it's with- powerful. To speak more about his about his power and something that I I think is alluded to in the in the more recent adaptations, but it's really kind of underlined. Each of the Losers Club, you know, once they move away from dairy, they find tremendous you know tremendous success. Bill becomes an author, Ben becomes a you know a a lauded architect, Beverly is a fashion designer, etc. Like all of them. Basically, have no reason to ever think about their about their childhoods ever again. Uh, this is something that that, that Pennywise can do by because they came in contact with him he, they're still under his influence even if they are all the way across the country or in bill's case he was over in england you know for 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 a lot of this and he, he, like it pennywise made them successful so that they would not come back during the next dur- you know dur- during the next hmm. um kind of bit uh, the, the the return right It only it, it only happens because Mike sticks around and Mike you know it, it like it, it it doesn't it doesn't work for him because he is in dairy, it's still business as usual and he remembers everything. So the idea that Pennywise can affect you even when you are half a world away is to me tremendously paranoia inducing. The idea that he can influence reality or at least perception, and the two might actually be equal uh, is, is is very frightening. And the idea that, you know, that is introduced in 112263, that there just might be cursed cities that are built on top of other equivalents like these. And the idea that humanity is a plaything um, for all of these kind of, you know, not warring, but very self-interested extra dimensional beings uh, sets up a very bleak world to me. I just want to
2: say one other thing with regard to what you said about belief being an interesting weakness for Pennywise. You know, I think a lot about why we're even doing this podcast. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea why we're even doing it. That
1: sounded it. No. bleaker than you meant it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: well, I mean, you know, why is it interesting? Why do we keep coming back and talking about villains? And I do think that the times that we're in are bleak in a lot of ways or can feel really bleak and I and one of the ways you sort of uh, unpack that is you you know you look at evil and if belief is the weakness of Pennywise then you know the inverse the force that you're fighting against is really meaninglessness is you know just in the the breaking down chaos madness right nothing matters Uh, I believe in nothing and I (laughs) find myself fighting that messaging a lot these days. And I find it to be uh, sometimes even stated explicitly and certainly strongly implied in a lot of the discourse, right? There is no such thing as as really honor or, or any of these other things that you hold dear and you really believe. And that's really probably the most unsettling notion I can think of. Rather, you know, personal safety is what it is, but the idea that all of it is just meaningless garbage is truly, truly frightening to me, and it seems well, that Pennywise has an element of that in his, at the core of his existence.
1: Yeah, yeah and it reminds me a little bit of when we t- we did our episode on Sauron. Uh, you know, the One Ring works by making you despair, right? It, the, the 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 Its function is to make you believe you can't win, and mm-hmm. therefore you turn and you you know you become a wraith or whatever it does to you, and, and the the. The antidote to that is hope. It is all of these positive things that sound, you know, Hallmark cardi, except you know when the end of the world is on the line. Like no, <laughs> that it matters. Like that, that yeah. kind of like hope and confidence is what they use to defeat Sauron. It's what defeats Pennywise. It's that you know. It's kind of like this unafraid love. You know, it's a secret.
2: It's positive thinking. Manifest it. You can make it's, it happen. I mean, it's
0: it's also <laughs> it together. It's Marie Kondo this shit. <laughs> it's 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 also togetherness, you know, like yeah. like their their the, the ritual and the losers club power, you know, is 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 in sticking together. When they return in the in the, in the 80s in the in the book, they're diminished. Stan kills himself rather than Rather than return to you know to 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 face it because he it, you know his ordered mind can't you yeah. know cannot he, he, he just he just can't cope with it and they and they're diminished it puts them it you know it puts them at a bad footing and that's what causes Eddie to you know like basically that's what requires Eddie to be taken out you know just as 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 a result of that but like whether it's the losers club or whether it's the you know the fellowship there is this returning this returning kind of idea that you know it's not the power of friendship but it's more of like a general solidarity each of these people represents Whole groups of other kinds, you know, whole groups of of, of people with different dynamics and relationships and advantages and disadvantages. And what's important is that no matter what even in the face of horrible odds, you have Sam Wise who can't carry the ring, but can carry Frodo. You have Beverly who was, he was willing to take several for the team to get them out of the sewers. (laughs) You know, I didn't mean for it to go to that example, but it's all I can think.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry. I feel like I put that in your head, Cole, and now it's just there. Uh, Yeah. No, I, one of the things I love about Stephen King actually is that he, at his heart, you know, he's obviously known as this like master of horror, but he really does believe in a lot of, quote-unquote kind of cornball you know he actually has a lot in common with steven spielberg i think and that they really do believe in a lot of these ideas that that are they're they're i like them as story elements you know they can be schmaltzy in the hands of someone Mm -hmm. who's not good at it but when they're done right it's very satisfying yeah
0: and just the story stories are meaningless without heart you just you know regardless and i think that Stephen king you know, for all of the kind of flack that he gets for being as prolific as he is and falling into a certain number of tropes, he does understand heart, um, and there's a lot of emotional truth at the core of his characters.
1: So, I, I want to kind of move us into the kind of the the runway here to the end. Um, we do a couple of set bits, Cole, that uh, I think you'll you'll have a good time with. So, <laughs> uh, the first one now. This is going to go quick. Uh, this one uh, because what we normally do is we look at the villain and try and figure out where they fit. Uh, are they lawful evil, neutral evil, or chaotic evil? But this is a quick one because uh, <laughs> Pennywise is so unimaginably chaotic evil that like it might almost be interesting to to point out like how he like busts the scale. <laughs>
2: <do you> think? <laughs> well, I wanna I do want to throw one thing at you, which is he is just true to his nature. If his nature is to feed off of, you know what I mean, fear and a lot of this negative energy, uh, you know, I guess. I guess it, uh, he is chaotic evil, but that's just that's to his core. You know, he's not choosing it. I don't think so much yeah. as it's built into well, who he is. As a,
1: I guess there force. is an argument. That he's just the shark from Jaws, and he's just eating. Um, yeah, which would make and, him true neutral. But
0: and, and, I mean, like, so like he has a, a lot of dialogue actually at the end of the book, and what he basically comes to is like the, the the thing that makes a Losers Club. You know dangerous to him is they make him realize i might not be eternal right Mm -hmm. like just he he never considered that there might be an end to him and so like there is a certain kind of like petulance to that that implies that there is kind of a haughtiness there's more you know he is not just an unthinking an unthinking predator i guess
2: yeah it's interesting like could he choose to be different or is that not an option like he just has to be this way
0: I, th- I, th- I think that, I think that you can't eat what you're not made to eat.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, but I, you know, I mean, true. but you don't have to necessarily torture it. Right. I mean, there is a way to kill <sighs> yeah. humanely. Right. And I mean, it's, 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 I'm struggling to make this a segment. He's chaotic. I mean, that's what, what I would he is. is.
0: I agree that he is very chaotic. However, because he is so adherent to his own rules, like there is a certain kind of uh kind of yeah. ontology to him. I would say yeah. that that may, maybe moves him a skosh closer to, to to neutral evil, but like still, it's impossible to deny to deny how chaotic he is.
2: Well, he has no need for your human D anD D alignment charts. True, <laughs> <laughs> he's beyond such things.
1: Okay, so next, uh, Col- this uh, this is a tough one. I think we've we've he's been done twice, technically three times, uh, but we like to talk <laughs> about fan fan casting. That, you know who would you cast as Pennywise? And I, I we're springing this on you, so we'll I'll give you a little time. Um, the person I thought of was I, I. wanted to go with something that hasn't been done. So we've done like kind of the, the the traditional like scary clown, and we've done kind of more the monster with with Skarsgård. My pick was actually Kyle McLaughlin. Ooh. and I and I kind of thought like ew, we've no one's done like the like almost like slick like used car salesman or like corporate. Almost looking because he's like a Ken doll, like he's you know, really, you know, like his face is like chiseled in like a, you know, impressive way that, um, you know, he, he just looks like an action figure almost like not a um, like a superhero build, but like he's got that, like,
2: Doug, if you go one face. more beat on this, he's so, I'm going to start so to beautiful. You... <laughs> <laughs> you have a crush look on upon him, <laughs> um,
1: but like, I, I think it would be interesting to have a Pennywise that was a little more like cerebrally dangerous. Uh, in the way he kind of brings you in, uh, I think could be interesting to watch. Yeah. So that's my pick. Um, Dan, do you have a, a pick? Or?
2: Well, I just want to point out to Cole that every time we do a fan cast, Doug always brings up Kyle McLaughlin. It's weird. Yeah. Not old. true.
1: <laughs> Not <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's Sarah McLaughlin
2: (laughs) those are the two Uh, yeah uh, interestingly he did come up in our when we did The Crypt Keeper because he's in a very good episode of Tales from the Crypt uh, and and rarely gets to play really really bad guys but he certainly does in that because that's Mm -hmm. Tales from the Crypt for you Uh, I'm going to go a different way with this and say rather than uh, put somebody in the role I'm uh, just excited that um, in November we have a chance to take somebody out of this role Oh, of yeah. a chaotic <laughs> evil yeah. clown yeah. who makes us all worse <laughs> and slowly tears <laughs> apart at the fabric of reality. So I'm more interested in, in removing
0: somebody from this role. Yeah. <laughs> all right.
1: Cole, do you have any thoughts about who you would want to see try their hand at uh, playing Pennywise?
0: Um. Let's see here. <laughs> Heath Ledger Joker. No, this is tough Um. because yeah. I think like, basically, like most of the actors who I can think of would actually, like, might actually be too old for this. And also, you can play around like, with that. Yeah, like you, know, you don't want to like stunt cast it. Like, I think that Willem Dafoe would actually be really hard to look away from as uh, as as Pennywise, but I don't know that he would necessarily be like a like, like the best fit for it.
2: Yeah, it's um, always the de- debate of do you try to go with what you know about this character or do you try to do something you know way off the grid?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's tough. And I just, I generally don't know an awful lot of younger actors, which is a problem. Um, yeah. yeah uh, what do you
2: call it? Uh, Zach Efron. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you got, you got your, uh. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm looking at lists and all, all like I just did a, did a search for like modern actors and they're all old as fuck. <laughs> like, what am I gonna?
2: <laughs> we don't
0: make movie stars anymore.
2: <laughs> we,
1: we, we really don't. What's a Taron Egerton? <laughs> it's nonsense words.
0: This is just an actor that I really like, and I I want to uh, I, I I have enjoyed him in everything that I've seen him in. Kurt Russell. Oh, well,
2: oh hell he can yeah! Do anything?
0: Yeah. Bring, bring you know like a, a little bit of an older uh, an, an, an older energy to it, um, sure. but I think that uh yeah I don't know I think he could do a good job.
2: You know when actors ever play clowns, it's always interesting because it's always easy. They really kind of are unrecognizable. I mean Tim Curry. I mean you know, you, yeah, if you yeah. weren't told that was Tim Curry, you wouldn't know. So it's hard to know <laughs> what someone's going to do in that because it is such a transformative uh, makeup. You know yeah yeah. Uh, but Kerouac is fantastic. Yeah, he always. He's always great. And one of the rare good guys who plays a good bad guy when he rarely does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so our last uh, thing we got to do is, Dan, our title fight. Oh, yes. This is a ridiculous bit that we do. Uh, where we take the current episode's villain and pit them against last week's villain and see (laughs) who we think would win. And this one's real weird. Uh, (laughs) So in one corner, we have Pennywise, the dancing clown. And in the other corner, we have, as Dan just mentioned, the Crypt (laughs) Keeper. Ooh. (laughs) I forgot. I always forget
2: because I'm working on an older episode at the time, so I never know who we're on, uh, God, the Crypt Keeper, which I really did have to crowbar into this whole podcast. I mean, you know, it was a lot of uh, contorting just to explain why I think he's a villain. Uh, and not just a guy who tells murder stories. Okay, <laughs> the Crypt Keeper. Well, you do have to acknowledge that you can't physically harm him because he'll put his own head... Into like a guillotine and chop it off, and then just laugh at the end as we do the credits. So he's got that
1: advantage. The other advantage he has, though, is like Pennywise kind of functions off of you know I'm going to scare the shit out of you, but if you're not scared of him, he is you know he he turns into a puddle of jelly, and I don't see the Cryptkeeper
0: as being scared of anything. He's not a good meal. Any way you yeah. look at it. Also he's, he's a lot he's of old. He's old and desiccated. Yeah, he's seen mm. everything. Like he he literally is a curator of of horrific things. Um yeah. I'm know, willing to
2: I, buy that he is a uh, whatever you call it, a Avatar of something or other. Like he's got yeah. a he's got a, a projection somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I like I don't know an awful lot. Like the 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 crypt keepers the the cryptkeeper seems like a lich to me. Mm. Um and i don't know I, I don't think that i don't think that pennywise would hold sway what's a oh. lich? What, what's a that? Li- uh what's a lich oh a lich uh like think like an undead wizard uh who uh is a, like immortal but not ageless so eventually just turns into like a desiccated skeleton oh. kind of thing uh, it cannot good, be killed uh, unless you uh, destroy its phylactery, which is like a uh, uh, basically <laughs> an object of power that they store their soul in.
2: I got kicked in the phylactery once. No. Uh, <laughs> it was not pleasant.
1: I just uh, want to add to this discussion that I think the Deadlights sounds like a Crypt Keeper putt
0: to yes. me.
2: I call this one <laughs> yeah. the Deadlights. Yeah. <laughs> a chilling little so, tale. Uh, uh, yeah. Up.
0: Can I change my answer to the to the to, to the fan casting one just real quick? Oh, I sure, apologize yeah. for breaking sure. out the thing. Paul Rubens, yeah, yeah. that's how I want to see play play him. <laughs> Paul Rubens. <laughs> Paul Ruben. I'm serious. Paul Rubens is a good actor. Yeah. I think he would do a really sure. good job with it. <laughs> sure. As long as he didn't do that like Ha-ha! voice, I think uh, it'd it. be fine. P- Pennywise <laughs>
1: Tim Curry P- did
2: that Pee Wee nice old... yeah.
0: <laughs> Excuse me,
1: do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do. You better let him out. <laughs> yeah, that's an actual um, line from the thing. All right, Paul Rubens
2: under the wire. All right, so oh my all god, right. surprise entry into the matchup. It's Cryptkeeper, Paul Rubens, and Pennywise all duking it out. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize, um, but no, I was, no, I was, no, I was, no, I was kicking that's myself okay. for that. That's all right. This,
0: this, I, I think the Cryptkeeper. I, th- I think the ribkeeper would would win by default because I do not think they would actually come to blows
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah i I you know, it's a hard thing because he rarely participates in the story. He's usually yes. on the outside of it. Uh, and when he does when he does participate, it's usually god, it's just like him dressed up as. <laughs> and somebody in the thing like he just puts on a costume so yeah i don't know if they're ever going to intersect unless unless uh, pennywise uses his reality uh his ability to like move between worlds to somehow enter the (laughs) the story the bumper world of the story and fight (laughs) the cryptkeeper there there is Uh, a stephen
0: king uh and cryptkeeper uh uh connection Actually, Ooh. there is a comic adaptation of Creepshow uh, that oh, is done okay. in the EC Comics style. Uh, oh. Stephen King wrote all the scenarios for Creepshow. For Creepshow. When you okay. read the book, like the Crypt Keeper, uh, like presents the stories as they go. It's actually really. Oh,
2: did neat. they actually get the actual? I mean, for the comic, they put the actual Crypt Keeper doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because in the movie, it's just like this off-brand,
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> like flying corpse cartoon thing (laughs) yeah Uh, okay very interesting well you know we gotta come up with an answer honestly as much as I love the Crypt Keeper uh, I just think that Pennywise is a much more powerful entity and I don't know that the Crypt Keeper really believes in anything other than puns and mayhem so (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that puts him at a disadvantage I'm probably gonna put my money on Pennywise All right, Pennywise it
1: is a winner is you (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) So normally, Colt, we would wrap things up here and do our admin, but uh, as we talked about, we have uh, some feedback, and some of it comes from the DuckFeed.TV Slack, which is uh, your podcast network's uh, gathering place on the Mm -hmm. internet. And uh, so I thought you might want to chime in here. So we had some feedback uh, about Pennywise from Sam Bear, uh, your friend and ours. Yeah, Uh, And he wrote, uh, Skarsgård does a good job as a monster man, but those new it's kind of take a shit partway through. Curry (laughs) plays him as a straight up Ronald McDonald, but then he kills you. (laughs) Um, Which, fun fact about Ronald McDonald, the original one was Willard Scott.
0: Yep, the original bozo. Oh, yep.
1: Wow. Well, I think it's interesting too that you know, like the whole thing is premised on kids liking. By the way, our like,
2: audience—do they need a definition of Willard Scott? <laughs> I feel like maybe
1: <laughs> he told you your birthday on the Today Show. <laughs> well, that's, we 100. know <laughs> we knew him as the like, weatherman
2: on the Today Show, and his big thing was wishing people happy birthday when they were in the like, yeah. 90s and 100s. Yes. Uh,
1: but yeah, we did touch on. We thought why we thought Scarsgard was good, but not as good as Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Aaron A. Aronson wrote. Uh, Agreed on Curry. He was outstanding in the role. I was obsessed with that movie as a kid. And then he wrote this, which I thought was really cute. He said, uh, when I was about nine or 10, I'd ride my bike to the local video rental place to try and rent it on VHS for 50 cents every weekend. They only had one copy, and half the time it wasn't there. When I eventually (laughs) met my wife in high school, she told me a story about how she would ride her bike to her local video rental place to try and rent it every weekend. But it was only there half the time. Turns Ah. out it was the same place— and we were fighting over the same movie about oh, eight years before no. we met.
0: I love that story. That is so
1: good. Isn't that That's good? a story
2: straight out of it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I only hope that his wife in high school was – all. he was also in high school, I hope. It's not uh, really Yes, clear from I the... don't
1: think it's a uh, <laughs> Beth Marsh in the cave situation. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 it is a really cute story. And, like – I remember loving that movie when I was a kid too and trying to get my my hands on it and like or watching it at a friend's house at a sleepover and being scared by it. So, um I could see wanting to revisit it cuz there's just so much there to to love about.
0: Yeah, it.
2: John Ritter, Harry Anderson. Yep. A couple of the people yep. I remember are in that.
1: Yeah, they're they're all good, but I I do think as you as we mentioned before, I think the casting on the new one is just exceptional. Yep. Every single one of them is a home run. Uh, even <laughs> and I and in watching it I was sort of like, yeah, the second movie isn't as good. But there's still so much to like about it. Um, And you just have to sort of just go like, well, this is a mixed bag. There's going to be stuff I like, stuff I don't like. uh, And I still think the stuff I like about it is enough to make me watch it again at
0: some point. Yeah, good scenes and bits and stuff. It's just incoherent.
1: All right. (laughs) Is that all our uh, feedback, Doug? Uh, uh, We got one more from The Dud, uh, again, from your Slack channel, Cole. Uh, He just wrote, Tim Curry is an unapproachable genius, but Skarsgård sells the alien aspect of it. Sure. Um I would agree with that. I did watch one interview with Tim Curry that I thought was interesting. He was talking about his time uh, on the set and he said he was doing the scene with the famous scene at the beginning where he's luring Georgie uh into the uh sewer grate and the you know he's going through the scene and the little kid who plays Georgie in the middle of the scene stops and goes, "Tim, you're scaring me." <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and Tim Curry uh, being kind of the guy who says, yes, that's what I'm supposed to do. And you're <laughs> supposed to be scared of me. Oh, <laughs> so that's really no. sweet. Poor Georgie. Oh, no. Poor
0: Georgie.
2: Uh, uh, Tim Tim played him as if he was from the planet uh, Transsexual Transylvania.
0: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was um, his secret. It, it, so, I mean, like, like, to the actual, like, design of, of them, I think that Skarsgård's design is a better fit for the time update. I think that yeah. because the you know the, the 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 90s version still had the kids you know it took place in you know 1958 or something like that um like it made sense for there to just be a bozo Ronald McDonald last looking clown running around because that's what that's what kids were looking at at that point that kind of clown would be really outdated for kids growing up in the in in the 80s like like they yeah, were I'm, in the update like even watching like, crusty the
1: clown on the simpsons you kind of go like why is bart <laughs> into a clown that doesn't seem right, right. right and it's just hey by the way you'll know
0: this
2: doug did they ever do a treehouse of horror that was a play on it you
1: know what's crazy i thought you'd ask that so i looked into it uh they did not they have not no. done an It treehouse of horror but they pennywise does appear in a sight gag in a season 29 episode just a brief appearance oh, golden bart- years yeah, Golden <laughs> Years. Bart apparently sends the, the Springfield into a clown panic because he commits this prank where he glues clown masks onto people. Mm-hmm. Uh and so there's this like scene of like people like in Springfield running into clowns and being terrified and running away. And at one point a bunch of kids are walking in the street and Pennywise pops out of the sewer grate and he scares the kids and they all run away. And then a (laughs) blind guy comes walking down the street the other way and Pennywise goes blah. And then the blind guy like feels Pennywise's face and then runs the other way. (laughs) And that's it. That's Pennywise and the Simpsons. Cool. Yeah. Uh, All right.
2: Well, uh, uh, to wrap things up here, uh, just a reminder to folks, if you want to reach out to us, we're on Twitter at Podcast But Evil. We're always happy to hear your thoughts. If you think somebody else might have won the matchup or you want to hear a different villain on the podcast, please reach out and let us know. And you can certainly help us out by going to Apple Podcasts. And if you really like the show, leave a review. We'll read it on the air. And if you just want to click a star, go ahead and click a star. Give us a rating. It sure helps us
1: out. Yep. And we've got a few good ones coming up. We have one more episode left of our Halloween stuff. We're going to do Hannibal Lecter next. Mm. So that'll be good. Uh, and then after that, we're doing our election special. Uh, we are not doing Trump. We're doing his boss, Vladimir Putin. So, <laughs> uh, so that'll be cool, too. Um, Cole any uh i assume you will let's give you a chance to plug duckfeed and all the wonderful things that are on it before we cut you loose
0: yeah duckfeed.tv we have uh too many shows about video games culture more broadly radio free World is coming back it's been on just kind of a hiatus because it's hard to it's hard to produce that show <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh we're going to finish out we're going to finish out the series don't worry about that but yeah uh duckfeed.tv uh for just kind of a listing of everything that we the that, uh, that, that we've got
2: Fantastic, Cole. Uh, as we wrap up here, if you would join us in a toast, uh, gentlemen, to evil, to evil, to evil. Clink, clink. <laughs>